Hi, this is Derek Robertson. You're listening to the C-List Villains Podcast. Good evening, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of the C-List Villains Podcast. I am your host, AJ. I'm here again with E-Man, Luke, and Red. And tonight we've got a special guest, a veteran in the comic book industry, You've seen his work in Marvel. You've seen his work in DC. You've seen his work on notable books as such as Transmetropolitan, Happy, and of course, The Boys. We've got Derek Robertson in the house. Whoa, yeah. Woo! Derek. Hi, everybody. What's going on, Derek? Derek? This is where I pretend like we haven't been talking for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. So how's everything, Derek? Have you had dinner yet? Is everything? No, I haven't already? had dinner yet. <laughs> how is uh, how has your week been going, sir? That's been a pretty good week, actually. Yeah, got, got a lot of good news this week, but nothing anybody in the outside world would be that excited about or things I can really share. But just a lot of good, yeah. a lot of good anecdotes, little things happen. So I'm having a good week. Great. So let me ask you this real fast then, Derek. In this in this crazy time that we're in and you being yeah. an artist, like what do you do to pass the time besides drawing all day? I mean, like it's nuts, right? <laughs> well, the, the irony is that my life has not changed all that much under COVID because I was living this lifestyle before a pandemic. Um, I just used to be able to go places and see people in between. Yeah. So I'm just sort of living a, a, an endless groundhog day, but it feels um crushingly normal uh you know i, I but i it's weird like my inking has gotten better this year um my, I've, I've hit deadlines and uh i just got great feedback on the last issue of hellblazer rise and fall that i just that the last one just came out yesterday with uh, tom taylor and um, i heard from editorial how much they liked it and so i was just like you know just feeling good about the amount of work that I've been able to sort of focus on because a normal year for me would have a whole lot of conventions and travel interrupting things and I'd be scrambling to get stuff done and you know totally. making up for lost time when I get home and all that went right out the window in 2020 so I'm weirdly now like having a renaissance of creativity that I haven't felt since I was a teenager and didn't have a driver's license. Nice, nice. <laughs> nice. <clears throat> but uh, I'm writing this year. I got a couple of projects. I can't announce them here, unfortunately, but I got a couple yeah. projects that I'm writing and drawing with major characters that'll be Ooh. coming out later this year. And um, that's been exciting. I'm, 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 I've written in the past, but I'm, I'm starting to write more and uh, you know it's uh it's so it's been cool like i said my inking has improved and uh and i'm just i don't know i'm kind of happy that i have work that's uh you know i don't take that for granted you're right that's that's yeah. the that's what that's what happened here in 2020 a lot of people just don't and a lot of us are fortunate enough to be able to work from home and enjoy yeah. and make money and, and stay stationary while this happens well that's good yeah, i'm which, glad that you're one you of know, the lucky ones out there man i'm not taking that for granted at all so mm-hmm right right well obviously you know we're all fans of the boys and uh we're gonna get into that uh asking a bunch of questions regarding the show but before we get into all that stuff um we wanted to ask you essentially how you got into comics and and your career and and um to the point of where you at right now that way listeners who are not um fully versed with your resume they, they get a bit of an insight of what you've done prior to the boys and even afterwards. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I, I got started a long, long time ago. Um, I've been a lifelong comic book fan. Uh, definitely started getting serious about it when I was like 10, nine or 10. And, uh, but I've always drawn, I'm self-taught artist. I, I, I didn't have any formal training. Um, it just passion and devotion is really all it came down to. Um, and in 1986, there was this black and white comics boom happening because of uh, the Ninja Turtles breaking out big in 83, 84 and becoming a, a TV show and a toy line from a black and white comic book that a couple guys did out of their apartment. And, uh, you know, so everybody started looking for like the next big thing. 
Right. And uh, I was in summer school and uh, thought up a character named Space Beaver just because I liked the name. And he was a cute, funny animal. Uh, it was a funny animal book, but if you know, I like. I was really um, tickled by the idea of cute, fuzzy animals, but like really dramatic. And uh, like, and when they fight, like they blow guts out of their back. Heads <laughs> would explode with brains, and like that just made me giggle. I, I you know, I was a weird kid, and I'm a weird adult. Um, <laughs> but it was a lot of the sensibilities that has gone on to define my work go all the way back to my teen years. And um, I loved heavy metal magazine and stuff like that as much as I loved superheroes. So for me, like those two worlds, barbarian stuff always appealed to me. So typically but, what um, boys like at your age at that time, pretty much, right? Yeah, you know, I wasn't that, you know, I liked heavy metal music. <laughs> I, was, I was into that animated film because there were boobs in it. You know. <laughs> You know, but I, that's I, an I, underrated cartoon, if you ask me. But. I love that movie. Heavy metal, I, still, yeah. I, I have an original cell from it on my wall here. Oh, oh nice. nice. Um, so I'm a, but I, I'm a big fan of that stuff, and it's still it was heavily influenced. And and for a while there, I kind of thought I was gonna try to be a fantasy painter like Boris Vallejo or Frank Frazetta because I had their posters all over my walls, and um, realized I couldn't draw, and so I kind of got back into learning to draw, and never went back to painting. Um, but I have some really embarrassing failed attempts for when I was like 13 or 14. Um, do you still have them? Tell me you still I have do, them. Yeah, oh, actually, there you go. So it's, it's, uh, I was, I found them recently. They surfaced and I was really happy to take pictures of them because I have these distinct memories of them. But anyway, it, uh, I ended up doing this comic book space beaver. I met a wonderful guy named Michio Okamura who has gone on to be a uh, big deal in video game design. And uh, and just a good guy. He was, but we I was working at a at a bank uh, doing phone calls for credit card debt <laughs> and uh, as a teen after school job. And he was a security guard. But I saw him uh, sketching in his book and kind of looked over his shoulder and we started talking because he was really good and still is. But he actually uh, kind of ended up teaching me. Uh, like I ended up showing him my work and he really liked my work. And, you know, and I was just getting, I was just a kid in high school, but he showed me how to use proper, excuse me, proper tools for inking and, and right size paper. And I started, uh, and, and he, he was working for a company called Viz and uh, they were doing a book called Shuriken and it was a black and white comic and they were getting into the funny animal market. So they were gonna do this book called Komodo and the Dragons and they, uh, but he saw my Space Beaver uh, story. I had just done it on typing paper in summer school, just drawing it panel by panel, making it up as I was going. It was literally just something to entertain myself because I'm a, I was a terrible student because all I wanted to do was draw and make comics. Uh, ha ha. <laughs> but uh, I. Uh, jokes on them. It jokes on them. <laughs> I know a lot about history and I'm still doing comics, but anyway, <laughs> I had, <laughs> but I ended up, um, but he liked the Space Beaver story. I said, I want to show this to my publisher. And so the publisher was like, yeah, well, we'd like to run that as a backup feature. We can't pay him, but you know, if he wants to make the pages and we'll run it in the back of this Komodo and the Defiance comic. And I was like, I'm going to get published. You know, that was my dream. So all I wanted was just to be published. And so, you know, I'm in high school. Of course I want to be published. Um, so I started working on the pages and learning how to use the tools properly. And in that time, um, a comic book store owner named Tibor Sardi had a place in my, uh, my old hometown and he was checking out the art. He wanted to see the artwork I was doing and he was really impressed by it. And he said, there's no way this should be a backup feature. We're going to give you your own comic. I'll publish it. And this was, you know, nice. the 80s, everybody and their brother, yeah. not a black and white comic. So I was like, okay, you know, I didn't know anything <laughs> about anything, just happy to be like, you know, just was getting better by the minute, you know. So I wrote and I drew 11 issues of Space Beaver and the first one came out when I was 17. And I was, uh, you know, starting to go to conventions to promote it. I didn't know what I was doing. I had no idea how I was, how this was my first published book. Cause I had these aspirations that I would go on to work on Spider-Man and Wolverine. And I did, yeah. you know, which was awesome. I'm, I'm very happy that it worked out. But at that time, like I just never saw myself as being a funny animal guy. And also it was supposed to be 
a joke like and nobody got the joke <laughs> only i seem to understand why you know animals spurting blood and and having this heavy pathos and over the top drama was it was only funny to me i guess uh, everybody else was i had people that were like oh this is you know that they got into it and other people that were like this is shit and i'm like it's supposed to be <laughs> it's a talking beaver that explodes blood I, you know. okay look at it derek this just came up there it for, is. um this just came up for auction right now it's on uh it's funny, on eBay. eBay. yeah that's the original print set we used to do those that's the one based around so now stinger was a much better character than the space beaver was but i didn't think of him till around issue four but he was a porcupine with an eye patch and a crossbow and he would like slash people with his quills on the back of his arm and like now if i had done a book called stinger and just made him the main guy it might have done some business but no i didn't even know that beaver was a euphemism for a vagina at the time. I was a kid well hold on look there's still time right i mean you can look you're still alive you can still write and draw stinger it's very oh, people possible. are because that's what people are begging for well, why Derek, not? please go back and do, the, do a story about your porcupine character please there is, i'm telling you there's probably a market well, there's a market for here, everything here's the thing there. i think well, yeah i, I think... never have to worry about selling one copy if as long as like it doesn't have to sell anything I'll do it, but I'll do it. Well, I want to do it just for the joy of it, you know. And if if it sells ten copies, great. If it sells a hundred thousand copies, great. I don't have to worry about it. Then I'll do it. But at this point, I've had too many. I've had my heart broken around Space Beaver too many times. In in two thousand, actually, um, my friend Larry Young, uh, we had often hang out, and he he was published for AIT Comics. And uh, he kept saying, hey, you should finish Space Beaver because I left it on a cliffhanger. I, it never made any money back in the day. So I just walked away from it at issue 11 and, you know, because I started to get real work. And um, but I had people coming up to me at conventions and they'd say, hey, are you uh, ever going to finish Space Beaver? And I'd be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and they'd go, no, I really like it. I want to know how it ends. No, and I'd really, what's just wrong with you? tell them the story verbally. I'm like. <laughs> here's how it ends and they go but i want to see that and and so my friend larry would he was like no just let's do the last chapter i go only if you collect the whole thing i'll do the last chapter number 12 i'll finish it off and we'll put it out as an omnibus because it's just a curiosity piece yeah. at this point right nobody right. really wants to read this and so i mean i didn't know what i was doing i was making the story up as i went i guess that's kind of how all stories are made but i mean i really i had no editorial oversight i was just a kid making comics and um doing the best I could and the uh but at, at the same time so but but in 2000 I had kind of accomplished a little bit more and written a couple Spider-Man stories that got published and some new warrior stories that got published and um you know so I was feeling a little bit more confident in 2000 than I did in 86 but um the the publisher said yeah I remember Larry he, he you know called my bluff and said, I'll publish it if, if you want to finish it off. So I did. I, I went back and I did the final chapter for Space Beaver Volume 2, which is both of them are really hard to find and, and remarkably expensive, which I don't understand that either because we couldn't sell them in the day. Um, but they uh, but I, it's funny when you're looking at it now because they the, the old publisher brought in an inker I didn't really want and just to try to get another issue out of uh, space beaver and oh no this guy's really good and it just didn't mesh and and then uh so you're reading through space beaver and you get to number 11 and then it ends and then you get to number 12 and like it all 12 years of professional experience you know are all there and it, it suddenly you know it's it's a big leap in quality all of a sudden and uh but that, would, that was fun when professionalism ruins the art geez who would have thunk that man yeah well you know but it, it, space beaver looked a lot cooler when i was drawing him then <laughs> no rules that's why there was no rules back no then. there never was i mean that, one of the things that i do love and i'm happy about is that i do own those characters and that story and everything it's like still 100 percent mine so if i ever that do cool. go back and revisit it 
you know, I have this dream of getting, maybe doing a Kickstarter or something like that, where I get a budget and I want to hire like my writer friends, my professional writer friends to just do 10 page scripts of Space Beaver, having never looked at it. If they've never read it, perfect. Just I'll show them the characters. You write me a 10 page story about what you think these guys do and I'll draw it. And I just want to do that as a collection where, you know, like you get a Tom Taylor Space Beaver story or a Rama and I'm not committing oh, nice. any of you guys to this at all. Tom Taylor, you're hearing it wrong, Tom. <laughs> Tom Taylor, you're hearing this is not an announcement this is a fantasy tom is uh, definitely a listener of the show he contacts us regularly about it i'm sure we can get you connected and whatnot, I, you, you, you know. never know how these things get picked up like, like hey derek robertson said you guys are doing a space we were story. Like, no, right. no, I was saying it's a dream it's a dream i have and, I would he, like to hire... and he's gonna draw and write stinger two along with you like, wait hold on <laughs> yeah yeah heard it here first folks homelander is gonna be right there what yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna ignore all the copyright and and and, and uh, you know rights laws that are, are attached to these characters elsewhere, and just do whatever yeah. I want. You heard Fan it here, fiction. folks. You heard it here, folks. You heard on that podcast with those villain guys. It's gonna happen. But yeah, I just. But, it, but I think it would be really fun just to have like all these different interpretations of the characters because I think that would be a really that would be a fun read. I think you should. Yeah, do I, it. I, I, think you should. No I was gonna say that. You you could do if if there is a demand for it from hardcore fans. I mean, yeah. especially with if you want to ride the wave of the boys. If you were to do a Kickstarter right now for uh, Space Fever, it would. I'm I'm sure you would meet that that goal. Well, I appreciate the, the vote of confidence. I have had this conversation so many times over the last thirty years. You're wrong. People don't want this. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry matter. about if don't they, worry. they might want another thing with the boys but they don't want space people. don't no worry people. about what those other people want it's what derek wants yeah right. derek and wants... if i never have to worry about making a profit on it <laughs> exactly i yeah. go back and do it in a hot minute there you go now that's question why i created because I, I gotta get back to the place where i was when i created it in that you know i was living with my parents a 17 year old angst in rent or if yeah. i was going to eat that night i was living with my parents my folks were feeding me and roofing and, and roofing me and you know, now I have my own children. I don't want them to go hungry because I really like Space Beaver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Daddy, please man. feed us. No, I have to get this issue stinger out. You don't understand what's happening in this panel, child. <laughs> this needs to go through tonight. If it involves a talking porcupine, it can't be important. So I guess with Space Beaver then, from there, just your, your career just kept going and going well, I, and had a, I, I struggled a lot during the space beaver years don't let me sound like I, I like i told you i was like working as a bill collector at citibank and uh you know and i didn't even have a credit card myself but i was calling people up and telling them to pay their credit card bills and uh working at pizza hut and you know like just any crappy job i could get but i would dream of the day that like all i had to do was draw and uh, so to this day, whenever I get to come down and just draw, I'm like, God, I'm just, I did it. <laughs> you know, it still feels good. Right. You know, but uh, that I, I get to do the thing that I thought I wasn't, you know, I dreamed about doing when I was a teenager. Uh, but it took me about five years at least of going to conventions. And, and it was a very different world. You were talking about the world of like the, the late 80s, early 90s in comics oh, when, you know, there was no internet there was no cell phones you know like people had to you know i had to go to pay phones to talk to people i had a fedex pages in you oh, know um, and i would go to conventions to meet editors from marvel and dc and then i'd show them my work and they would trash my stuff and what am i hearing red is dog. that hero no. <laughs> 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 um but i was like uh i just Wait, is your backdrop the office? Yes. <laughs> That's so cool. I just realized I was looking at Stanley over here. Like, he stopped but, um, thought to ask that question. He asked that question by Derek Robertson. Now, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we I, I would I had it was a very different world then. So breaking in was a very different experience and it's not that easy anymore. Not that it was easy then, but it was more personal. So you right. could go and you know, if it, I'd get work from smaller publishers and whatever got published, I would bring that with me to 
you know, uh, uh, the editors would just sit at a table like that. They don't even do that now, like where you could just walk up and talk to them because there was like 2000 people at an entire yeah. that was considered a big Comic Con if you had like totally. 2000 people. So, oh, wow. you know, it was very personal. And I met all kinds of people uh, we were, that were breaking in at the same time as I, I was. And I remember one of my very first conventions, I met Jim Lee and he was working on Alpha Flight. And I was a big fan of the book at the time. I was reading Alpha Flight and I just thought his work kicked ass. I mean, and he wasn't even nearly where he was by, by the time, you know, he got to X-Men, but I could see his potential and compared to like a lot of the guys at Marvel at the time. And I went up and I was like, and you should be drawing X-Men. And man, was I right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I'm, you know, but this was forever ago, but I'd meet these guys and I'd put my work in front of them and say, Hey, what, you know, what do you think? And, I wouldn't take it super personally if they had negative feedback for me. Some people were nicer than others. Some people would kind of get off on making you feel like shit and other guys would be encouraging. Uh, like Frank Sirocco, who did a book called Alien Legion back then, like he was super encouraging and actually sent my work into Marvel uh, when he saw like some of the Marvel stuff that I had drawn back then. And um, that was really helpful. And then, but you know you meet editors and you keep a relationship and sometimes but if they saw that you were doing comics if you had finished comics they knew that you could like hey put a comic book together you can meet a deadline you're not just drawing pinups um and so uh i climbed the ladder at some smaller companies there was a company called innovation at the time and i did the uh, adaptation of child's play 2 uh, oh, oh, wow. with chucky and, uh, that was fun. I met Don Mancini, the creator of Chucky, and he was really nice. And uh, I ended up doing that comic, and it was my first color comic. And from that, I got a job on Justice League Europe. And and when I showed my Justice League Europe stuff to Bob Harris, he gave me an audition on Wolverine, and I got it. And that was my first Marvel comic. And at that point, I kept getting mainstream work. So, nice. But it was a long... And then I could move out from my parents' house and... Got my own apartment and life, life, life took off. It and looks like he, he took over um, New Warriors after Bagley left. I think Bagley yeah. went to go on okay. to, uh, to Amazing Spider-Man because McFarland, McFarland just started a uh, image, correct? Yep. Yeah, it's absolutely correct. Yeah, but what's funny is that I was uh, while I was doing New Warriors and Bagley was on Amazing, they kept offering me Amazing because Bagley was getting ready to move on. And, but it was such a tumultuous time, tumultuous time at Marvel because of the bankruptcy and the, yeah. and the, uh, the bottom falling out of the industry that it was uh, the editor that would offer me the job would move on or get fired or laid off or whatever. And the next person would come in and the cycle would start over again. I'd do another series and they go, wow, we really like your Spider-Man. Do you want to take over on Amazing when Bagley's <laughs> done? And I was like, yes. And uh <laughs> And it never happened. I, I did a lot of Spider-Man projects. I did one issue of Amazing, but uh, and of course he was Scarlet Spider in it. So, <laughs> uh, but that was uh, that was my that time at Marvel is actually why there's a Trans Metropolitan because oh, wow. I got so tired of chasing that dragon that um, I just knew that I had done some really fun work at Malibu Comics uh, Ultraverse with Warren Ellis is where I met him and worked with him for the first time thanks to uh, Hank Canals, who was an editor there at the time. And he ended up, um, but I ended up telling him like, hey, if there's ever a chance to do a monthly book together, I'd be all over that. So when the Helix line was getting going and Warren had submitted this idea for Transmetropolitan and it had been accepted, he called me and wanted to know if I'd want to work on it. And uh, I also got an offer to finally get a monthly Spider-Man book for Spider-Man team up which would have been Spider-Man and a different Marvel villain or Marvel character uh, every issue. And I was like, oh man, I'd like, I'd like that book now. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> but I was like, I had to decide which one I do. And I got some good advice that if I took on something original and it, and it clicked, I would be behind, you know, I'd be one of the names behind something original. And if it didn't work, Spider-Man would still be there. And I was like, that's a good point. And then I wanted to work with Warren. And so I made the right choice. And then when that I- That was part of the best decision you yeah, ever absolutely, made. Absolutely, absolutely. It's like one of those like back to the future moments that I'd had I chose the other one, like 
what would my life be? But I, I went back and that book, like Spider-Man team up got canceled eight issues in. So, um, but I went back, you know, but, I, but as it was, it's like the, the decision to do that was the right one. So I, but when I told Warren, I wanted to do a monthly, he's like, well, then I'll make you co-creator. And we, we started building Transmetropolis from the ground up from that point. And it was really good decision. Right, right, right. Did you have any uh, input on writing with uh with any new warrior stories? Yeah, well, I mean, I not well Fabian and I we're still really great friends, and I absolutely loved working with him. So if I had ideas and stuff, I mean, he was open to them. But I mean, he really he was a powerhouse at that time. Like he was writing like eight books. I mean, I and editing. I don't even know how he did it. He told me he used to just write them on the train wow. home to Jersey. But he uh, he he was wow. uh, but. I wrote some new warrior stories, um, but mostly he knew what he was doing. I, you know, if I had ideas, I was always free to share them. He was never one to tell me no. Um, and I brought a lot of my own drama and changing up panels and stuff. I do that with any comic I, I work on. I kind of bring my own interpretation to the story, but I always like to drill down on what the, the writer's trying to get at, which is why I think I've had a lot of successful collaborations. Just to let you know, Red's favorite team is the New Warriors. So, <laughs> so that's my down, first introduction to your work. Deep yeah. down inside, he's screaming. That was a, good, that was a great book to break in on. Oh yeah, it was monthly because I had such a good team around me. The editorial team was awesome and supportive, and like I said, Baby and I are still friends to this day. He even oh. wrote that first issue of Wolverine I drew. Nice. Oh, nice, nice. So you also so, created like a new character. I'm looking at your Wikipedia. I'm just cheating here. Uh, <laughs> Deadpool. Yeah, it says here you were. Oh, I, uh, I co-created. No, I Jimmy Palmiotti and Buddy Scalera and I created Kid Deadpool. Yeah, yeah, Kid Deadpool. Yeah, yeah. in issue yeah. fifty, issue fifty, we did. We did. I did two issues of Deadpool and Kid Deadpool, and he's calling out Pool Boy or something like that. And like, correct. Pool Boy. The character took off, and and I, yeah, yeah I'm rolling in all that money. <laughs> Yeah, you, ne- you never know. You, you never, never know. know. Exactly. You, oh, you know, they, they got will, toys they and everything. They just send me checks yeah. all the time. Watch. I bet you I <laughs> yeah. bet you Ryan Reynolds, who's also a regular <laughs> listener of this show, is probably he probably has that, you, you know, in the back of Deadpool A-list 3. Celebrities listening to this show. I know. We do. We do. We got <laughs> you you know, Life Bill has holding your money. It just, it would be amazing. I mean. It would be amazing if we see um, if we see uh, Pool Kid in um, Deadpool three. That just would be, oh, that would be pool, awesome, boy. That oh, would pool boy. Pool boy. Pool boy. It would be cool if they give me a credit. I don't think they're going to give me credit. I don't get credit for all the other characters. I At the very end and creepy. Oh man, that. that'd be just like oh my god. <laughs> so you know, speaking of creating, obviously uh, the biggest, I guess, well-known creation that you've been known for recently is obviously the boys. Boys, I've heard of that. Yeah, um, I think it's got a little bit of a following. Project from a few years ago. It's yeah, just, uh, it's, it's got, people got a bit see of a this right. There's some form of entertainment on the television. But one of them's like a girl. What's with that? Jeez, <laughs> how does? Yes, explain that. Could you? <laughs> uh, well, before X, there's maybe... X chromosomes and XY chromosomes. <laughs> Thank you, Derek. See, we that's what I was that. trying to tell everyone. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Could you explain, I guess, the history of how the book came to be? And um, also, obviously, what are your thoughts on how it, it came out as a TV show? I mean, this is a long time coming before. Yeah, it, it took a long you know. time for it to actually get produced. It went all over the place for about 10 years. And I gave the, this is a testament to anybody who out there is hoping for something to work out or is striving towards a dream. I gave up on it and that's when it happened. And that's like the same way I found my wife. Just decided I wasn't gonna have any more relationships. Met her the night I made that's that decision. Cool. So. <laughs> I know. Um, it's just life is Always like that, that sometimes. Way. Definitely my life. But um, how did the book come to be? Well, uh, back in uh, the early 2000s, I was living in New York City, uh, as was uh, Garth Ennis, and we were good friends and uh, doing a lot of work at Marvel at the time. And I was just winding down on Transmetropolitan, and he approached me with the original concept. Um, and the original concept that we had at that point was that we were going to do uh, something akin to Hitman, uh, that the boys would exist in a weird little pocket of the DCU. 
and we had talked to a couple different editors about it and started to realize pretty quickly that what we wanted to do was just too outrageous that too it would have to be so <laughs> subtle that we i mean if anybody could have pulled it off i believe garth could have but um it's just not my strength like we were better when we would work on titles like max like we did fury max and we had done punisher born and you know those were good stories and we did uh also the punisher issue where like wolverine gets run over by a, a steamroller and his face blown off you know oh, uh like that's where we really shine as a team and so the idea of us doing like a muted version of the boys wasn't gonna work so what we ended up thinking about and, and gar's idea came from a couple of different places but one of them was from a, a movie one of the first if not the first peter jackson film bad taste because he at one point he picks up the phone and you see his hand go like his finger go down the choices of people who call and one of it says the boys and he pushes that button and that made garth laugh and he always just thought like he'd like to create a team called the boys that you know you pick up and th these are the people you need at that moment so yeah. and, and then he was he's a big james elroy fan as well uh, and so like a lot of the things that you see in the early days of the comic are based on things that really happened in like casting couches of Hollywood and things like that. So he, um, so we had this, uh, he had this idea, but I had just been offered uh, an exclusive contract at Marvel to reboot Wolverine with Greg Rucka. And Ooh, that wow. was like my dream come true. I was going to draw Wolverine number one, ink it myself. Greg was writing. Greg and I get along wonderfully. Love working with Greg. Need to do it again. And uh, so I and I had a band, brand new baby and uh, was, you know, really needing the exclusive job. So I just told I just said no to Garth at the time. I regretted it, but I, I just felt like, you know, he's better off. I figured Steve Dillon would end up drawing it. But he... Um, but a year went by and I wasn't having the greatest time on Wolverine uh, just because there was a lot of changes going on at Marvel at the time and kind of had it out of my system and was really, I was like, I could have co-created a book with Garth Ennis. And it ended up being, um, uh, he hadn't found someone else and he came back around and said, no, I, if, if, if when you're done with Wolverine, if you would, want to do this it has to be you and i was like okay yeah i always regretted saying no the first time around and so um i was wrapping up transmetropolitan and we segued took us a couple of years i ended up moving and a bunch of other stuff happened but we were developing it that whole time like we were exchanging ideas and i was doing sketches and coming up with you know my own take on the characters like the female was originally going to be caucasian i thought how about if she's japanese and that ended up changing the character completely and you know and, and mother's milk power mother's milk's power was a power that i actually thought of just for any character like what if you know like this stuff is getting into everything and a pregnant mother has it because i had a brand new baby boy i was thinking about breastfeeding a lot <laughs> and uh but it, like you know but that's how I, but he liked it and that ended up becoming mother's milk's power and um an origin story part of his origin story but uh so we would collaborate in that regard and it all came together uh, when Wildstorm wanted to publish it and, and DC offered me an exclusive contract just to do that book. And uh, we had a great editor in Ben Abernathy and my old friend Hank Canals was uh, over, was high up at Wildstorm at the time and Scott Dunbeer was excited to publish it and everything was going swimmingly. And then one day I got a phone call that they were canceling it because it was too extreme. And I was like, it, can, can we go it back It was very extreme. I kind of want to ask something here. So sure. Mother's Mother's Milk, the name itself, is it because you had a baby at the time? Is that influenced that was Garth, by that? Garth chose the name. Uh -huh. um, I just thought of the power. I just thought of how like a baby getting the power through breastfeeding. Uh -huh. And Garth took it from there in his incredible imagination. So. Oh, okay, oh, okay. okay. That's good. Just like, the, the name The fact itself that he even calls him a... It's, I, I, this actually... Um, Mother's Milk's mug from the set. They gave it to oh, me. Nice. Oh, nice. I was looking at that too earlier. It's like, yeah. well, I, I was so happy when they handed this to me because that's even the font I used. On the <laughs> nice. I, had, I, I physically get to hold the mug I imagined for Marvin Milk. That is amazing. <laughs> now, you said it got canceled. Was that the 70? Because the 72 issue arc 
Derek. I mean, that is iconic. That you did every single cover, didn't you? Every was cover, there, yes. I, I, I didn't. Do I, every, I know Jim. I, I wanted Jim to do Lee every issue, one, but, but I couldn't keep up with the schedule. It just so it, it got just, canceled at seventy two, or did they get? Did no, they no, no. We, like, we, they finished the run. I was gone. I was off working on the final uh, uh, miniseries. I went off and did Butcher's Origin instead of finishing the latter issue, so I could put more time into it and kind of recover because it, it had really taken a physical toll on me uh, trying to keep up with that monthly schedule, Pencils and Ink, because once they canceled it, it just scheduling became chaotic and I just never really was able to get back on that surfboard. Um, and I also just don't like hacking out work. I, I try to avoid that at all kind, at all costs at this point. But um, no, we, we I did, um, I think I left around issue 43 and then I went off and did the Butcher miniseries, but I did all the covers, including for the miniseries. It's got to be that 72 issue cover arc. It's one of the most iconic cover arcs of all time. Oh, thank you. I mean, there's a nice collection of it. If you, you. if you really like it, there's a uh, Dynamite put out a really nice, they called it Art of Derek Robertson, but it's really just a boy's cover collection with like sketches and stories behind how we came up with each cover. And because Garth always had input on the covers and had great ideas. So we only have 13 minutes left with you. We have to get into the TV show a little bit. Okay. Yeah. No problem. What? What is your, how did the TV show come about? Did you get a phone call and, and how involved are you in the, um, in the production of it? Well, um, not a lot, uh, is, but at the same time, um, I've got to know everybody and I, they hired me to create original artwork for the show that you can see throughout seasons one and two. The very first image you see uh, when the very first episode begins is a cover of the seven that kind of disappears into a thing that becomes Vought and then an image of the, the seven and becomes the Vought logo yeah. as, you know, kind of parody. Um, but that very first image you see, they hired me to draw that. So that's my, the, and that, that, that just blows my mind every time I've seen it that, you know, the very first image you see of the show is my cover. Um, so, but they, uh, I did, uh, when you're, when they're walking through, um, bot tower, a lot of the artwork in the background, uh, it's like comic book art. That's all original covers I did for them that they hired me to do. Uh, same in season two, there's like a soldier boy statue that they made. They hired me to do a cover and then they made a statue of that image of him running and pointing. And it's like, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. They've integrated. They, and then, and when it started, um, I kind of got ahead of myself. So I, that's how I'm involved. I've also been to set a couple of times and they all treated me just very warmly and, and welcoming. And I've got to know the cast and you know, friends with Jack Quaid now. And, you know, like he's, he's just good people. Um, and he so, does a fantastic job as Huey. Oh, I he's really, wonderful. And, and, yeah. and he was the one that looked the, like when I first saw him, I was like, wait, he's too tall. <laughs> he doesn't look like Simon Pegg. And then like, but as I, when I saw the episode and then got to know him, I'm like, Oh, he's great. You know, like he, he, it makes he totally, and, and that's the thing. It's like the, the book doesn't, ha the, the show doesn't have to be the comic. It just has to have the right stuff. And it does. Feeling of really that proud character. Of the, I'm really proud of the show because the show has a different job than the comic did, you know, and you, and you don't experience a TV show the same way you experience a comic book. So mm -hmm. had they been too literal to the comic, I think it might've been uh, a tougher road. Um, and they are everything that they changed or tweaked or whatever, they had a reason, but both Seth Rogen and both Eric Kripke made it abundantly clear how much they love the comic. And I, th I really think that comes through. And, um, you know, and, and the first time I, I got to know Jack, he was holding up a whole stack of the comics at uh, my friend Ryan uh, Leibowitz's uh, store, Golden Apple on Melrose. Yeah. He was holding up, he'd gone in there and Ryan like, found everything for him and then he goes, hey, you know, I'm buddies with Derek. Can I take a picture of you? And that's how we met. So. Uh, before I even, you know, before you even started shooting, oh, he, um, but he's, um, but it, it was a long road. We, we, after we got canceled at DC and they were great about it. They gave us our rights back. It was just more like a misunderstanding and we had to go our separate ways. Uh, they weren't mean about it or, or vindictive about it. It was just a business decision. And uh, totally. by doing so, they, and they also gave, they kept me under exclusive. So I would have, I didn't lose my job because they, decided the book wasn't working there and we found out a publisher immediately we had a lot of offers and we went with dynamite and i was allowed to continue working on the boys and my dc contracts 
simultaneously, which was great because I had a kid and two kids and a mortgage at that point and thought my five years were planned out. Yeah. <laughs> and like, oh, <laughs> surprise, your hit book is canceled because that happens. <laughs> I see. I grew up in this world where I was told, like, if I did something good and it succeeded, then people pat you on the back and give you more things. Uh, in my life, it's always been the opposite where it's like, hey, your success is too much for us. And then 10 years later, <laughs> TV show. Like, yeah. It's it 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 kind of enjoying the same weird arc. It's like it's more popular now. And we were almost we were on the verge of cancellation the entire time we were doing that book back in the 90s because it was just barely selling and it was always late. And like just barely I barely get it out on time because we, we it just was the way the book worked. But that energy kind of made it what it was. But with uh, Transmet, with the boys, like they, uh, as soon as we got canceled, it got all this press, and then we got, um, uh, we got optioned in 2008, and we thought from there it was going to be this movie franchise, and for a while, like Adam McKay was attached to it, and he before he started winning Oscars, he was going to, and he was super cool and was doing great stuff with it, but. 2008 is also the year that the first Iron Man movie came out and the first Marvel Studios movie came out. So people were just starting to open their minds to what a superhero thing could be. And, you know... And they saw the money, obviously. Well, they I don't even know if it was so much... I mean, I'm sure that was part of it, but I just don't think people were ready for a superhero story like The Boys, gotcha. where, the, where, the, where the superheroes are the bad guys, even though they look like the good guys. And so I think it oh, terrified... Really? I think a lot of studios just didn't know how to pull a trigger on that kind of a thing. And it really wasn't until, uh, you know, Eric Kripke decided that he really wanted to do this and did a lot of things and choices and talk to people to make that happen and get it back over to Sony television and become the show that it is. And, but one of the coolest things is like the first thing he did uh, when I met him in San Diego, before he even started writing is he had already sat down and talked to Garth and he sat down and talked to me and, and he asked me like, well, what do you, how do you see this show? How, what do you want? And I was just like, I can't even believe I'm being asked, you know, that's so know. great. And so I said, well, you know, needs to be funny and I uh, we really, really wanted him to put the scene in with uh, Huey holding Robin's hands like her like the arms I, said, <laughs> I actually re-watched that episode earlier today I'm like oh my god I completely forgot about the arms and how it wiggled like it was real it was really so creepy visceral. yeah but, but but that's the moment you connect with Huey and I was really I felt very adamant that if like if you don't show that then the fans won't if you show that the fans are going to go you get it you got it that's awesome even though they did their own thing with it they got the beat right and they got the moment right but but it's incredible because i love to show that exact scene as a comparison to like what we did in the comic and, and how it worked in the comic and what they did on the show and how it works as a show because if i drew it the way it was in the show that would be like four 12 panel pages it would be, yeah. Because I'd have Damn. to do panel by panel of like a little bit of blood hitting, like Watchmen mm -hmm. style, like a little bit of blood hitting, a little bit more hitting, you know, and then the pullback and the reveal and him screaming, you know, but it, it, as it was in the comic and the way Garth wrote it and the way I drew it, it's like that was actually the first thing I ever drew for the boys comic when it came time to actually draw the comic. I drew that page and that panel first because it hit me so hard in the script that I was like, I had to get it the way I was seeing it. And so... um but that moment is so strong, but it hits you really quick. It's like, you don't really know what's happening until the reveal and the reveal and the difference with a comic and a show. It's like in the show, like Jack has this amazing moment screaming Robin's name and, and then they cut and then it moves on. But in the comic, like you can just stay and look at that for as long as you want to. You can take in the background details of the carnival I drew and, you know, and then you can decide when you're going to turn the page and move on. It's very different. Yeah. With the, you know, the director decides what you see next and when, and in a comic, you get to decide. Right. Well, the comparison between the show and the comic, um, oh, I lost my train of thought there. I'm sorry. That's all right. I do that all the time. <laughs> did you have I dinner, think, AJ? Did, I, I didn't. I didn't know. The only bad thing, the only thing I hate about that scene, Derek, is the actress who played Robin. I connected with her. I know, right? You know that, I mean? that actually, I I think, that I'm actually, so glad like, you said that because I neglect to say, it. like, what an amazing job she did in making you fall in love with her in three minutes. Yeah, I know. Like, their exchange is so yeah. cute. 
And I, you, I just, you, you love her as much as Huey does, and she only had four minutes to sell that. Yeah, like that, I think, is just job. remarkable. I always, I yeah, always really, like, really good job. Yeah, you know, we, she shows up just as a ghost and in, in, in flashbacks. But man, yeah, I, I love. But if you don't love Robin, you don't care if she dies, right? Yeah, right, yeah, right away. As soon as I watched it earlier today, because I, I, I had to. I was like, we're gonna have Derek on. Let me try to rewatch some of the movie, <laughs> some of the show. And it yeah, like to, right away, you fall in love with her. You're like, oh my god, that's like every geeky boy's girlfriend dream right there. Yeah. Like, I would love to have her as a girlfriend if I was back, you know, younger and nerdy like that. Like yeah, she was perfect. Totally. Absolutely. And it's fun too. Like you see, um, it made me think about, cause she talks about doing it in Huey's bedroom and <laughs> Huey's bedroom has my artwork on the walls. Like some of the yeah. posters there, I did those posters and that, uh, when he's like kind of cleaning the place out and leaving home and his dad's like, where are you going? Um, but those, that collector's set of cups that he had on his shelf, mm. uh, since Huey was never going back to that apartment or that room, uh, they gave me those cups. So I have his, what? I got his seven collector's cups. Nice. Oh, so when, whenever cups. you're ready to get rid of them, you know, um, oh, it's, no, it's, I, it's I, all right. It's, are you kidding? You know, they are not. Those what's are funny hilarious. is that there's, I did, I did, somebody else had to point it out to me. There's no deep cup. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. Why is there no cup for the deep? But... Hey, man, I think your walls are thin. Your, your girlfriend on the other side of the room, I hear you. Uh, shh, shh, shut up. Shut up. I can hear the TV, okay? Um, yeah, it's but the show's been amazing. I'm I'm really happy with the way it came out. I'm I'm really blown away by the response to it because I I the the tick just got canceled, and I'm friends with one of the writers that was worked on the tick, and like I, I was okay. surprised when that happened. It was like right before the boys was gonna like you know get announced and launched. And I'm like, yeah. oh, geez, I hope it doesn't happen. I hope the boys doesn't just like kind of hang around for a couple seasons and nobody watches it and it goes away so to see the response to it and everybody's reception like that's been just mind-blowing that there's already a they're going to do a spin-off already and you know, it's like oh oh uh, oh i'm sorry that, what <laughs> uh, is that news because we didn't know that no no that's been announced it's just, they're, oh. they're, working, they're working on it you can google that it's it's, oh. it's I'm not telling you something i thought it was something everybody knew but yeah they're doing a spin-off of the boys as well so oh right on Hey, I got a um, I I got a question for you real fast. Sure. Um, so, uh, Frenchie, in the comic book, and, and I apologize, I didn't really read the comic book, but in the comic book, does Frenchie call Huey Petite Huey also? Is oh, yeah. that okay? Yeah. Now, in the show, Tomer Capone, the way he pronounces it, and it's something that my girlfriend and I constantly giggle at, but when he says when he calls him Petite Huey, it yeah. literally sounds like Petui, and it makes me laugh so hard. Was <laughs> that funny. planned, or is that just part no, of the I, I, I can't say anything to, like, what's being worked out on the show. That's a homage to the comic, because they, they actually will tell me, and even in the screenplays that I get to read, there's little things where they go, okay, and then he, I, like, I read a scene for season two, uh, but they're like, okay, and in this scene, we have Huey, or, I'm sorry, we have Frenchie, and he's got his goggles on, so he's more like the character how he appears in the comics and i'm like oh look at them paying attention and so like they got him his goggles like he's wearing his goggles a lot more in season two uh -huh. and uh but he did he would say petit huey which is we huey which is funny because even uh you know the huey on the show even says like well stop calling me he like little you know because he's big yeah, he's, yeah. Jack's like the tallest guy on the set. Yeah, I was gonna say, cause yeah, he is. He's the he's tall and linky. Like he's calling him small. He's taller than and then Frenchie himself like, is when small. When I first saw that, I was like, wait a second, that's <laughs> not right. And why does why does Butcher have a beard? But then it it all works, you know. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. they when they brought taller and when they finally brought Terror in in season two, and I got to see a whole episode with Terror, they went for a walk, and and at that point, like like that's probably the most emotional I got watching the show is just seeing and like Terror and butcher having a walk because they're walking away from the camera and it's like an yeah. angle through a cover at and i'm like oh man that is like right out of my brain and it just i don't know it just hit me hard like because 2020 was supposed to be a year where we were gonna go and see each other all again at san diego now that the show's a hit and that all got canceled yeah, yeah. party celebrate yeah we were i had they had a big event planned with me and the cast and i was like super excited about it and you know, and it's just, it's just none of it happened. So. 
with the hit of the show, has there ever been talk of maybe revisiting that that world? What do you mean in the comics? Yes. Well, Garth did with Dear uh, Becky, and I did the covers for that. But they, he wanted to work with Russ Braun, and so Russ Braun drew those. But nothing like uh, like going forward, though. Not that I know of. No, I think that's. Gotcha. I think that story is. I thought that story was over with issue seventy two. That's what I was told. But um, no, I don't. I don't see a, a bunch of new comics with the boys happening. Okay. All right. I think, I think those new ideas are probably going to roll into the show at this point. I see. I see. Well, there's it, a lot to adapt. I mean, that was a that was a huge story. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know your time is limited, sir. It is eight thirty-one. Um, do you need to get going now, or? Uh, yeah, I mean, if you guys have more questions, I can finish answering questions before I go. It's, I'm not on a. No, we we appreciate you hanging out, this Derek. I mean, I like can't. Said, I'm not on a strict we, timeline. I just. We home. didn't even get to ask about Carl Urban. Um, we have got to maybe. Um, before the launch of the next season would you would you want to come back on and, and yeah i'd have to come back on what do you want to know about carl like oh <laughs> it, it just, what does he cool. smell like <laughs> yeah, i want to know uh what, what, what's his aftershave smell like oh. <laughs> he's a panther poured into a hawaiian shirt <laughs> he's yeah. every man he kissed my wife's man. hand <laughs> and she's never stopped talking about it I still have questions oh, about no. some of the other things that you've talked about online. Uh, like you used to create, you created your own, um, your, you created your own uh, action figures. You mentioned, I saw that. Yeah, I want to talk yeah. a little bit about that. And then yeah, you, you want to see my butcher? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me oh, see. Yes, yes. He's right here. This is my uh, custom butcher action figure based on the comic. Oh, nice. Dude, that is cool. Oh, that's actually dope. That's super So wait, cool you like cust that. that, you, you I made, made that? Yeah. I painted the head and I customized the hair. And uh, I found the clothes and see that's that's a one of one right there, like the straight up collector's item. Like no one has that. No, just me. I made it. Nice. <laughs> Have they started making like figures yes, or statues? There's a Homelander that Metacom is making, and it's fucking sweet. Really? Yeah, they got a one six scale and a one twelfth scale in the works. Here's um, here's a Spider Jerusalem I made. Oh, nice. That's, oh, that's great. That looks great. Thank now, you. Have you ever thought about getting into that? I did for a little while under a side, but I didn't do it under my own name. I did it under a pseudonym because uh, okay. I didn't want anybody buying my stuff because it was me. I wanted them to buy it because they liked the figures. Because it was cool. I mostly, I mostly was making Star Wars customs uh, before Hot Toys and Sideshow got in on it and ate my lunch. But oh. <laughs> for a little while, there was only Hasbro or customs on, on eBay. Uh, here's my custom Indiana Jones, if you want to see that. These are so cool. Like I know. What are the Star Wars customs? That is freaking me yeah, out I, hearing you I, say I that. I went through a great deal of trouble to make sure all of his wounds were screen accurate. Oh, my oh, wow. goodness. <laughs> That's yeah. insane. And you can take his hat off. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> Those look great there, Derek. Wow. Thanks, man. Thanks. It's just like that. That was my fun passion for a little while, but uh, I, I just, I, I actually fell back in love with drawing comics and that's what I do now. So I don't have much time for making figures. I want to, but I don't have much time for it. Before you do go, um, you know, could you plug all your socials? And if there's fans out there who want to get maybe commissions are you is your commission list open right I now don't do, i don't take them on uh very much uh believe me if you see them advertised and you really want one jump because they'll, they'll go fast and probably not be offered again for a while my yeah. thing is like i have i used to do them at conventions and then i could do them on you know kind of at the show because that was the time i had delegated for it but since i'm not doing conventions right now um my my dance cards kind of always full but um right you know, in the outside chance, uh, I offer them. You can go to DerekRobertson.com and there's contact uh, there through art sales. You can buy original art from the comics there. Uh, we sell it ourselves. There's no middleman. So there's like layaway deal. Of, you know, you can put stuff on layaway. You deal with oh, that's layaway. awesome. She's a lot nicer than me. So um, <laughs> and, and more organized. So um, but it's a family business. And um, that's cool. Yeah, I just you know when it, it's 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 you know it's what we're putting away for our kids, um, and you can so that's DerekRobertson.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Derek R. 
Um, uh, I, I tend to bitch about politics, so if you don't like politics, you might not like my feed. But I do often show off artwork and interact with people. But <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a troll or anything. Right. <laughs> Last question. Any advice? Because you've been in this industry for a long time. Yeah. Any advice for any up and coming artist? Yeah, don't get into comics. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Derek. <laughs> don't, don't. You can do it. <laughs> uh, well, uh, let me just, let me put it this way: success is determined about how much uncertainty you can deal with. Um, it's not an easy road, but here's the thing: if you really want to make money and you hope to make a big TV show, and you think that's going to be the end-all, be-all, it's not you should never be creating from that place. If you want to make money, uh, learn how the stock market works and then go into Wall Street or um, something like that because uh, you do comics because it makes you feel good because you have something to say to the world because if you're anything like I, the kid that I was, you just can't do anything else. I'm. It always pulled me. It was like a black hole I couldn't get out of. I, I, I had dreams yes. of acting. I, had, I play music for a hobby. I make action figures but this is what i do I, it all comes back down to doing comics and it's because i love telling stories so if you love telling stories it's a great place to you know it's a very cheap budget to tell your story um right. but yes. if you think you're going to get rich quick it's not the place oh. and i'll tell you on our next visit <laughs> like a long list of people that thought hey i'm just going to do a comic book and then they'll make it into a movie and i still have people coming at me like that too like hey let's just make this comic book and then it'll be a tv show overnight I'm like it took 10 years yeah. 10 years and the boys was a hit when we started yeah so yeah. i mean you know and there's i got other properties out there that you know still haven't been turned into anything and stuff that has been and got canceled and Stuff that got turned into this uh, comics or comics that got turned into TV, and I didn't even get credit on them. So, so stay focused, you know. pretty much. Just stay focused and stay stay on that do one it, road. Do it because you love it. That's my yeah. advice. Do it Always, because you love here, it. Here's the two. Here's the truth of my experience. Uh, one. I still don't think I'm a good artist. Two. I'm always trying to become the artist I hope I can be. A, even with the success, it means nothing to me. The end result on what I see on my table at the end of the day only you know if you're working hard only you know if you're doing your best and if you are working hard and doing your best and it comes from a place of love for what you're doing you'll enjoy it and if you're enjoying that's a lot of time you got to spend at the drawing board and if you're enjoying that time because there's something satisfying in your soul that's time well spent because we got a limited number of minutes on this earth and every one of them should count and if you got artwork to show at the end of the day for something that you spent your time doing and it's artwork you're proud of and you feel good about that's a life well lived Amen. that's that's some inspirational words uh, yes. right there from uh, Derek. Yeah. You're saying there's still a chance for space Thank fever you. <laughs> yes i told you the condition i told you if i don't have to worry about it ever making a dollar if i'm just drawing it because if if there's ever a day where i have made enough money that i can come down and sit at my board and go what do i feel like doing today because i can do whatever i want I'm going to draw some space music. I'm going to write another space <laughs> story. I want to start it from scratch, all the things I've learned, and just reboot that thing from the beginning, from the bottom up. I would love that. That would, nothing would make me happier because it would just be fun. And I would, but I'm not there. You heard that, everyone. Watch the boys get it to season 14. Let's hey, make, let's get Derek some money so he can go back and revisit Space Beaver. That's what we're trying to do that's here. That's our now. goal now. Yeah. <laughs> the whole reason for the boys on Amazon Prime is just to, <laughs> just to go back in Space Beaver. Uh, you know, it, it, and again, like the, the show's doing great. It's just, it's just not the kind of thing like I'm not going to be retiring anytime soon. And yeah. I don't want to retire anytime soon. I've got a lot of other ideas. Again, I'm, I'm writing some stuff this year. Um, there's opportunities opening up for me to you know kind of go down the path of some of my heroes like frank miller and write and draw stuff you know uh, that's that's sort of the dream right now so uh more than that's where i started and if i could come full circle and write and draw space beaver and not have to worry about making any money on it because bills are paid even if i'm drawing space beaver and if you know you guys buy it that's four copies sold you know yeah <laughs> 
No, no. <laughs> Remember, we're, the co we're collectors. It. We're going to be getting at least two to three copies each. <laughs> yeah, one you know, to read and one, right. one to never touch. All right, you know? so eight copies sold. I'm, yeah. that, that, that's at least thirty dollars. <laughs> that's no. That's twelve to sixteen. So I'm maybe six dollars profit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's good for an In-N-Out burger. Okay, that's, that's right. Good. I can get Don't forget variants. Drink. I'm good. Now you're making me hungry again. <laughs> uh, now I'm thinking about it. Anyway, it's been really great talking to you guys. Thank you for having me on your show. I'll definitely come back on. Please do, Derek. It was you, awesome sir. having thank you, you on the show. Have a good right. one, thank my you friend. You guys were real patient getting me on this thing. So uh, thank you for your persistence. And, and, and again, it was a lot of fun. I'd be happy to talk to you guys. And hopefully there's some world post-COVID where we all get to say hi at a convention and yeah, yes. it'll hey, happen. Look, it'll happen. We, we, we live in the same area. I'll probably be up there for some wine and cheese as soon as COVID is over, Derek. I'm going to yeah. let you know, okay? <laughs> All right, Derek. Hey, have Thank a good you, one sir. now. Thank you. Hey, uh, great talking to you guys. Have great talking day. to you. All right, guys. Uh, before we end the show, we wanted to do our pickups of the week. We're going to start off with Luke. Sir, what did you get? I'm actually bringing it back to uh, Peach Momoko. Oh, nice. And these just showed up today. Star Wars Insider. The wow. Mandalorian Baby Yoda cover. That doesn't Still even look like Yoda. her work. Is yeah, that, it doesn't. Is that Peach's it work? That's Peach Momoko. And yeah, beautiful. And then I got, there's the, uh, there's a Virgin cover. Virgin? And it's just, oh, nice. Just a gorgeous, it's the magazine, so it's not a comic, but. Really excited. These Still, came that's out. gorgeous. And, and her her Yoda um, second print came out today through uh, Frankie's. Frankie's. I was gonna. Th those are thirty five. There, it's a print to order book. So I'm probably I'm gonna wait on that for a little bit. Usually, print print to order books. Um, you know, you want to stick around twenty dollars, fifteen twenty dollars. If it goes past thirty five, you're usually gonna. You know, it's probably not going to stay at 35, probably going to drop, drop yeah. pretty quick. I am looking forward to her Demon Days, though. I haven't been reading X-Men, but I'm curious to see her writing and drawing a comic book. And, and that's all, a completely it, that's new... artist, too. It, it's a completely new property, isn't it? It's based on Psylocke, but it's a whole new story and a whole new character, isn't it? That's exciting. I, it's like that I Japan. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Like, that's... If this is going to be the work of peach and this is what she wants to do i think we're gonna get beyond high quality with this i think we're, we're, gonna we're get... probably looking at like a Baroni kenshin or um like a demon slayer samurai kind of deal with with you know with demon days using totally. x-men characters i think that's yeah. fantastic yeah so. that'll be dope red did you right. pick up anything yeah i picked up this original gen 13. oops if you can see oh, it nice yeah it's the janet jackson cover dude. signed by campbell oh, and jason sick. Wow, signed by Campbell. Yes. See that that okay. Fairchild was a very well drawn character. It's However, sixteen too. Yeah, I was gonna say she's only seventeen in the comics, so seeing that it's kind of creepy. I don't know. I don't. I don't feel right about that. And hey, I, I, it was a different don't, time. Don't blame me for buying it. <laughs> yeah, J. Scott Campbell is just the man who created the character, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. All right. Every nerd needs a fantasy. So a seventeen year old half naked girl with with hand hand bra, cool. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's not. <laughs> but it is drawn very well. It's got some great inks and fast. It's tasteful. It's it's, tasteful. A, it's a great cover swipe of Janet Jackson. It's, it's uh, a it is a nice cover swipe. It, it is, is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I did not pick up much. I picked up the uh, Star Wars High Republic Adventure number one. Yeah, I got that too. Strange Academy 8. It's kind of weird because Strange Academy 7 just like came out last week. Um, but it's got a dope cover. I'm looking forward to reading that. Didn't get to read anything yet. Um, my cover of the week is Venom 33. I mean, that is... Which it's, one? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the, him getting that's swallowed what, up by that's, Venom. That's what oh, Noel coming out. Now, is coming that... Coming out of his mouth, yeah. Is that a Flash? I can't, I, can't, I can't really tell. Is that Flash or is that Eddie? I think that's Eddie. Yeah. Does he have the goatee? Yeah. Oh, okay. It is Eddie. Because yeah. yeah, when I picked it up and I looked at, it, I was like, "Wait a minute, is that?" I wasn't sure. Yeah, and it, it, it's my cover of the week. I mean, it, it's it's crazy. It's just crazy. Look, it would have been dope if they came out with a virgin cover for this. 
but yeah those were my pickups of the week here let me show you what i got you guys so i got something is killing the children number 13 this is the uh diego galindo cover lucky That's number 13 nice this one actually came from slab city comics out in um england it took only a week to get here too and they only charged wow. me like seven dollars for shipping i'm like is this is wow this for real? Oh, that's pretty good this is not for real and i was like how oh my god it? It huh how do they package it well it was double it was double um double gemini's so it was a gemini inside a gemini Amazing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Wow. Gemini Inception. It was crazy. <laughs> and then I picked Shout up. Out for Slab City. I picked up Fear Case based off of uh, uh, Hip Hops and Me from Team Nerd Herd. What up, Team Nerd Herd? So I picked up Fear Case based off of his recommendation. Um, this is going to be my read of the week. Like, I read this. It's pretty fascinating. It's very. It's very there's this whole thing going on right now with horror slash conspiracy theories and this kind of falls in under that i also picked up this new one from aftershock called maniac of new york i saw that i saw that cover i almost picked it up but i i passed i picked it up just because i'm like you know what let, i like trying something new and if number one doesn't capture my attention then forget it um i liked it it's very much a detective who is just thrown into the case of this maniac who's killing people in new york apparently he's indestructible it's very jason friday the 13th but instead of revolved around the evil character it's revolved around the detective who's actually searching for him so um that cover like is it. actually going six it's over cover so oh it's already for i got lucky I got yeah that one actually might be a good one and but then it's, uh, it's, it's, if you see something for more than cover then, it, then it's a possible be. movie uh property already then then i got this peach cover this is the deep, deep beyond beyond right? peach virgin cover oh nice i got that this one good. and then i got uh oh no this this is the sketch i also got the virgin um at cost so that was pretty cool and honestly let's let's i'm, I'm kind of in love with her art now but i got the jenny friesens this week i got her luna number one and then jenny friesens uh, or frizens uh wonder woman number two future state the wonder woman number two is beautiful that's I, a nice cover i absolutely love and it's like, remember it's how a great breastplate on her remember how yeah, it's kind of like well why does peach draw the same way well jenny kind of does too she's got the same pose and the same face and the same eyes but her simplicity is super elegant so i'm Very probably gonna go notorious with... for that it's the guy who drew, draws um white widow um can't remember his name now oh i know who you're talking about um Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, that guy. Next, but next to Scott Campbell, because pretty much they have this one default face. Yeah, I and know. Then the default uh, pose. Yeah, and that's that's the yep. genuine frizzing and stuff right there. But yeah, that Wonder Woman is just gorgeous. But yeah, I'm looking at the Wonder Woman, and then I'm looking at her. Um, Something's killing the children. Number eleven. Like yeah, it's the same pose, same eyes, but still, it's the eyes that that Jenny Frizen draws. It just makes that character pop. So, uh, go go look at her profile picture and compare the face to. Yeah, uh, I have. I and it's, same. It feels like Jenny Frizen draws herself because she's got these very big, pretty eyes too. Okay, because yeah, if you look at Psylocke and look at Jim Lee, you see Jim Lee. Yeah, and Psylocke. you totally see Jim Lee and Psylocke. I totally get that. Totally. Um, just my mind because I never noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Forget it. Psylocke's off. Psylocke's off the table. Face right now. Psylocke's off the table. Yeah, those are my picks for the week, right there. Awesome, awesome. And with that being said, guys, thanks again for listening to another episode of Celia's Dunn's podcast. We'll catch you next week. Deuces. Thanks again for listening to another episode of the Seedless Villains Podcast, your cultivators of the comic culture. Make sure you follow us on Facebook and email us at seedlessvillains at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail or text us at 209-975-7597. Be sure to join Luke Week's Facebook group, Rare Keys and First Appearance Comics. And you can follow us on our two Instagram accounts, Seedless Villains and Seedless Villains Podcast. Lastly, 
follow the villains on their separate IG accounts. At Luke Weeks, at C-List Villainous Red, at C-List E-Man, and I am at AJ the Comic Collector. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next episode.